Andrea. And I'm Aaron. We launched Fresh Faith in September. And we, you and us, have come together and we've reached how many? 41,800 people. With the message of Jesus. How awesome is that? Yeah, we've had countless stories and messages come into us messaging either Andrea or myself or the ministry and telling us that God is working in their lives and you are making a difference in the lives of people just like you. Thank you for your partnership with us. We're going to start something new. It is Philippians. Yeah, we're going to walk through the book of Philippians verse by verse. That's a little different than how we taught in the past. We really want to fill you up with the Word of God that can transform your life in a deep and rich way. Absolutely. It's so important. It makes a huge difference. Yep. And so with that said, get ready because this is Philippians. Well, today we're going to be continuing in the book of Philippians chapter 4. And yes, today we're going to be covering the famous verse, Philippians 4.13, that you might know that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're going to talk about that a little bit and talk about what Paul actually meant by that and how it can properly apply to your life. Um, you know, you see that everywhere. You see it on t-shirts, you see it on plaques, you see it on um, walls, on canvases. You see it in a lot of different places. And, and we take it and we often put it in our own context, which we should and we can, uh, put it in the context that we can do anything. We can conquer anything. We can make the most money. We can lift more weight. We can conquer that task. We can forgive that person, whatever it might be. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's his strength in me. And we can do anything we set our minds to because it's God who gives us the strength. And while that will preach, it is the exact opposite of what Paul actually intended by that verse. Not that you can't apply it that way. You can, but I want you to first understand the truth of the context of which Paul was writing it in, which makes it so much more valuable and beautiful in order for you to take that truth and then apply it into your life the way that you need it. And so when you first understand it, you can apply it properly. And in my opinion, it becomes less of a let's just pat you on the back with this verse or use it for motivation and really uses it to uh, beautify your life in the deepest of ways. So let's get the context. Let's look at it. And remember, we have just talked about how what we're supposed to be thinking about. Finally, brothers and sisters, he said, think about all of these things. And if you missed that, go back and listen to the previous session because um, it's challenging uh, what Paul just talks about of what we should be thinking about and dwelling on. And when we think and dwell on the right things, then peace will be with us. The God of peace will be with us. And and so he goes straight into that, or from that into this. And starting in verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. In other words, remember we talked about that word rejoice. He says this phrase over and over and over again in this book, in this letter to these people in Philippi. He says, uh, have joy in the Lord. Take joy in the Lord. And really the word rejoice, have joy in the Lord again. In other words, get your joy back. Take joy again. So I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I remembered and took back my joy in the Lord again greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. He's already talked about previously in this letter of how 
Um, they had supported him financially, and even when they couldn't, they sat, they sent Epaphroditus to them, who helped them, and uh, who who helped him in his mission, helped him on his journey. And so, when they couldn't help him financially, they sent someone physically to help him. They gave the resources that they could in order to help uh, Paul's ministry. And we talked about that. But here he says, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity to show it. And I wonder if sometimes that's not how um, some of us do feel about being generous. It's not that we're not generous people. It's not that we uh, don't want to give a certain portion of our income uh, to help those in need, to help fund the ministry, to help uh, advance uh, what God is doing in the world. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we're not generous. It's just that we don't really have the opportunity to give, not because opportunities aren't necessarily out there, but because maybe we're not all millionaires. Maybe we're not all living comfortably as it is. And so what he says is, you, you showed, you renewed your care for me, and you were in fact concerned about me, but you just lacked the opportunity to show it. And, and I think that what they did do, though, is kind of what he's focusing on. They renewed their care for him. You know what? Let me help you become a generous person today. And you know, I believe you're never more like Jesus than when you are serving and when you're giving, when you're being generous. Not all of us have the means to be able to give financially to the ministry. Not all of us have means to be able to give financially to great um, things that are happening through nonprofits or through whatever initiatives in the world. Whether that's environmental, whether that is helping children or um, those in need or feeding families or donating things, whatever it might be that's going on around the world that are noble causes. It's not that we don't want to help those and it's not that we... We just don't have the money sometimes to be able to do those things. But I want to help you be a generous person, whether you have money or whether you don't have money. If you have money, give money. It's important. Missions, whether they are um, spiritual missions or whether they are physical, environmental, social missions, all initiatives, they all need funding. The world works. The world works exchanges money. You need money to run a business in today's world. Nothing wrong with that. You have money? First and foremost, donate to those causes. Donate to those things. Obviously, a way to be generous is to pray for those, mission, those missions and those ministries, those organizations. Pray for those initiatives. I believe that if you are a generous person, you will spend time thinking generously just as much as you do acting generously. See, what's not a generous person is someone who only throws money at causes, throws money at nonprofit organizations, throws money at ministries, throws money at missions, but never thinks about the crisis, never cares enough about the crisis to actually attend the event or pray for the organization or the leadership or for the needs that those people have. I believe generosity has to become who we are, not just something we do. So if you do live in comfort financially, maybe for you, the easy thing to do is to just write a check. 
The hard thing is teaming that up with time volunteering or time showing up to the event. Your presence matters. Or time praying for those people. Here's another way you can show generosity, even if you have no money. A great way to show generosity is to write a note. To tell someone you care. Write a note. Hey, I believe in what you're doing. And I'm praying for you. Or tell them how it ministered to you. If it is a ministry, hey, this helped change my life. This is how... Uh, this is how you changed my life. I was able to watch this. I was able to see that. I was able to receive this and it helped. Thank you. Uh, I get so encouraged and Andrea gets so encouraged when we receive um, messages on social media where people write us and say, hey, I found this video and it encouraged me so much. Thank you for this. Can you pray for me? And the reason that it's so encouraging is we see that we're not just sending out these videos into the world and they disappear, but they're actually hitting home and making a difference in people's lives. That maybe our teaching through the Bible makes the Bible more approachable for some people. Maybe it introduces God to them in a way that they've never heard that does change who they are and the way that they see the world and the way that they live. And so it's encouraging to get those types of notes. You can show generosity. You can be a generous person, not just in what you give, but in other practical ways as well. Giving of your time, taking time to write a note, taking time to express generosity, taking time to pray for those people and letting them know that you're doing so. And so there are different ways to do it, but what Paul says here is that they did not have the opportunity financially to support him and show their care for him, yet he knew that they cared about them because they sent him uh, someone who could help him. He goes on, he says, now I'm not saying this to you like because you didn't have what I just said to you, the fact that you didn't have the opportunity to show your care for me, he, is what he's talking about. He says, I don't say this out of need. I'm not saying that because I need anything from you. I'm saying this because I, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Do you realize contentment is a superpower? Like if you can learn to be content where you are, with what you have, and who you are, you will never need anything because you're content. You'll never need more likes or more followers or more money or more things, more friends, more this, more that, because you are content with who you are. And we always find contentment when we find our contentment in God. When we realize that God is content with us, we find contentment in and of ourselves. Now, that's not popular in our culture and in our society, especially within the Christian culture and society. It's not popular. It's scriptural, but it's not popular. Because we're always taught that contentment is the enemy of greatness. Contentment is the enemy of our mission and our purpose and making a better uh, person of ourselves. And that's just not true. In fact, it's the opposite because we actually find contentment with who we are and who we were meant to be without the pressure of what everybody else thinks when we realize that God is content with who we are. He gave himself for us for who we are. Does that mean we don't get better? No, you will find that you actually get better when you are content with where you are, who you are, and who you're with. Learn contentment and you won't need anything. Contentment is a superpower. 
Now, from a place of contentment, you can serve those around you without expecting anything else in return. That's why contentment is a superpower. Because until then, you're looking for what you can take from this person. When people are not content and they show up to church, all they want to know is, what can I get from this church? Is there a great kids program? Because if they're not, I'm not going. Is there great singing? Because if there's not, well, I ain't got time for that because there's another church across town that has great worship and they got the lights and the whole thing. And if, and if this person doesn't preach as good, then you know what? I just can't do that. And, and, and I just, you know, what can I get from it? As opposed to showing up, I'm content. I know who I am. I'm content with who I am. God's content with who I am. And because I know that, I now can go look at a church and just look for a great place to plug in and serve. Do you understand? Like, that is why contentment is a superpower. It doesn't just work that way. I'm just using church as an example because that was my experience. But I can use business as an example. Until you are content with who you are, you will begin to use every employee and every other business or business to business who serves you or you serve them as an opportunity to get ahead, not as an opportunity to make a difference. And you will never make a difference if you're only trying to get ahead. But every time you are focused on making a difference, you will by default always get ahead. Woo, I feel like I'm preaching so good right now to somebody that needs to hear that. That when you focus on pouring into other people, you're no longer using the people around you, but that only comes from contentment with who you are and what you have and what God has already entrusted to you. Contentment can be a catalyst that brings forth change in your life. But it's the opposite of what you've been taught. And here Paul says, I don't need anything from you. I've learned to be content. In whatever circumstances I find myself in, he says. And then in verse 12, I know both how to make do with a little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether in abundance or in need. Can you imagine that if you have everything in the world, it doesn't change who you are? That's why all the time we, we always hear people say, well, that person was great and then they became famous and now they're a jerk. Or don't let money change you. When you get it, don't let it change you. Don't let it change who you are. Don't let fame change you. Well, the only way that it has the opportunity to change you is if you were not first and foremost content with who you already were. But when I'm content with who I am, I can be content with what I have, and I can be content with who I'm with. Maybe the reason you're not content with your spouse is because you are not content with who you already are. Ooh, you okay out there? I feel like we need to take a breather off of that one. In fact, let's go ahead and take a break. I'll be right back. Thank you for your generosity to Fresh Faith. Your financial partnership helps us take the message and the hope of Jesus to every corner of the planet. When you donate to Fresh Faith, you are helping people meet Jesus for the first time. You're also helping people grow spiritually in their faith. And you're helping give free resources to local churches to help make a difference in communities, both spiritually, practically, and digitally. We want to invite you right now to go to freshfaith.org and donate so that you can help us change the world because together we are changing the world.
All right, I hope you're good. I hope you're all right. Let's continue on. No matter what circumstances he finds himself in, he says, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little, he has learned to be content. That's the context. Contentment with much, contentment with a little. Right now, Paul has a little. He has life and that's about it because he's in prison. And he doesn't even know if he's going to have life tomorrow. Because remember in the letter, he's already expressed to them, I don't know whether I'm going to live or whether I'm going to die. But even if I die, it's, it, it is for your good. It is for the greater good of the gospel. Remember he says that earlier. And now he says, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I've learned the secret of being content. I'm content with a lot or I'm content with a little, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm well-fed. No matter what I have, I'm content. And I've learned that through contentment, I can find peace and joy. In fact, specifically, joy. Contentment is where we find joy, and that can only come when we find it in God. And this is where we find the verse that we often so use as a motivational sticker, as a t-shirt slogan, as our status or our uh, profile uh, description on social media, whatever it may be. This is the one we always like to quote, and it's and, and you'll see it, 1 Corinthians 4, 13. He says, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the verse. Notice the context. I have learned to be content with a whole lot or nothing because I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. We use that verse so many times to push ourselves through discontentment, when in reality, the whole verse is centered around the context of contentment to bring joy. I can be content with nothing because I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content in the middle of nothing because it is Christ who strengthens me. Therefore, it is him who feeds me when I have nothing. It is him who cares for me when I have nothing. It is him who gives me contentment when everything else says and all my circumstances say I should not be content. That is the context for the verse. Which tells me this. You made a commitment. You're in a marriage. And you're not happy. But you can be content with your spouse when you are content with who you are. Because you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. You are in a job that you may not like. But it's something God has blessed you with. You can learn to be content in your job. When you learn to find contentment with who you are. Because you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. It's not so motivating anymore, is it? It's not a, not a motivating verse. The motivation in the verse is not to get out of your circumstance. It's actually to find contentment in the crap you're already in. It's learning to be content in prison when you'd rather be in a palace. It's learned, learning to be content. God gives you strength to be content with the problem. When you don't see a purpose in it, that's the verse. Yet we use it as this huge motivational thing that it is not really that motivating. At least to me, it's not. Yet when you actually put it in context, you will find the joy it was meant to actually give you. Not as motivation, 
but as a way for you to find contentment, which is actually a superpower. Because joy springs from contentment. So all of that can encourage you. Because when you are learning to be content, when you gotta find you gotta realize something about contentment. Contentment creates a space for you to belong. You ever felt like you don't belong anywhere? You ever felt like um, you just don't fit in with the group here? Maybe it's at church. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in your community. I just don't really fit in here. Maybe I did at one time. When you learn to be content with you, you no longer have to change anybody else and you no longer have to be liked by anybody else. You can just create a space of belonging for other people and you by default belong because you've created a space for others to belong with you. So you can belong anywhere because others belong with you when you're content with you. That's why contentment brings joy is because contentment says it doesn't matter who's around me, what they say, what they think. It doesn't matter what I have, what I don't have. It doesn't matter what I do, what I don't do. If I feel like I got purpose, if I feel like I don't, whether I'm free or whether I'm in prison, it doesn't matter what my past is. It doesn't really matter what my future is. It doesn't matter whether what I'm doing now is successful or whether it fails. I'm content with who I am because God is content with me. Like, here's a question for you that could help you through this. And that is this. If, do, am I content with who I am and where I am in this moment? Here's another question. Do you believe God is content with you right now? Here is my response to that. Controversial, maybe. Will it help you? It better. And that is that I'm going to tell you, God is content with you right now. God is content with all the mess that you are right now. God is content with all the mistakes that you've been making right now. God is content with all of who you are right now. And you don't have to do anything for God to be content with you. And when you understand that, it gives you the freedom to be a better person, not because you're discontent with who you are, but because you're so content with who you are that you're free to do better without the pressure of having to be better. Because now you're doing it for you and you're not doing it for anybody else. Because God is already content with you. Until you understand that and believe that, you will never find true joy and freedom that Christ died for you to have. He calls it life to the fullest. And the reason it's controversial is because we've been taught a lie. We've been taught the exact opposite of what Paul's teaching us in this passage. We've been taught that, you know, oh, right now you can always do better. You can always be better. But we're doing it striving, and God doesn't want us to strive. He wants us to stride. Stride from contentment. Don't strive to create 
a place where you feel like God is content with you. Because we feel like contentment has been a bad thing. When really Paul here in scripture says it's, it, it is a superpower. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What does that mean? I can learn to be content with nothing. And from that, I make everything else better around me because I no longer need the approval of other people. I no longer need to feel success. I no longer need anything from anybody. I'm not trying to use anybody. I'm not trying to get ahead. I'm not trying to gather more. I'm not trying to do anything but just love God and love people. Because God is content with me, so I'm content with me. So I don't need to worry about growing my Instagram account, growing my presence on social media, growing my influence in the world. I'm just going to love God and love the people around me, and I'm going to enjoy good food, good drink, good conversation. I'm going to enjoy where God has placed me and where I am, and I'm going to live it up to the fullest. Why? Because God is content with me, therefore I am content with me. You don't have to do better. You don't have to be better for God to like you. God likes you right now. Some of you need to hear this and you're like, I can feel that it's hitting a wall with you right now because you really don't believe that. But you need to believe that to understand that God loves you even when you don't love you. He is content with who you are. And you might say, Aaron, you don't know what I think. You don't know what I do. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. But until you believe that you are content with who you are and that God is content with who you are right now, you will always be striving for to be someone who you feel like God is approved of. Like that God approves of you if you do these things. But now you're earning his approval, which you can never do. Until you rest in the contentment of knowing that God is content with you, you will always be striving for something that is a vapor that you cannot grab a hold of because God loves you not for what you do. He loves you for who you are, no matter who that is. He is content with who you are right now. Right now. He just wants relationship with you, who you are right now. You don't have to believe the right things. He, you don't have to read the right translation of the Bible. You just need to breathe. And God is content with who you are. Like, you have to believe that. And until you believe that, you don't understand the gospel. The gospel that despite you, God loves you. He loves you for who you are, not because of what you do, what you believe, what you've accomplished, who you love. God just loves you. That's the gospel. And you can love God and love people and enjoy your life and with all the beauty that God created it to be for you. Doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't matter what you don't have. Doesn't matter what you've accomplished or what you haven't. Doesn't matter if you got a lot or a little. You can be content in all things because God is content with you. This, that verse... I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength can change your life if you understand it in the context that it's written in. It can change everything for you. All of a sudden, this whole being worried about what everybody else believes and what they think and how they voted and sharing your opinion doesn't matter. You can be content no matter who's sitting in the White House. You can be content no matter if your kids go to church or they don't go to church. You can be content with them and when you are content with you. 
And if there is something in your life you are not content with, I want you to ask yourself, am I content with me? And if you're not, you need to ask yourself another question. Do I really believe that God is content with me? Is that a, are those controversial questions to ask? Yes, only because of what you've been taught. When we just walk through the very scripture that tells you that contentment is a superpower, that I have learned in all things to be content. Why? Because it is through God's strength in me. It is Christ who gives me the strength to be content. And that is where I find joy. Tie it back a couple verses. So he goes on. We need to wrap this up. He goes on and, and, and he says this at, in verse 14. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Although I can do anything, I don't need your help. Thank you for your help. That's what he says. I don't need it. I don't need your gifts. I don't need your generosity because I've learned to do good all by myself. I've learned that I can be content on my own because I know God's content with me. Having said that, thank you so much for your generosity because I know that your generosity can only come from your contentment with yourself and God's knowing that God is content with you. You were able to be generous because of your contentment. That's what he's saying. Breathe in, breathe out. Give yourself a break today. Whatever you're striving to achieve, whether it's weight loss, whether it's more money, whether it's a bigger business, a bigger influence, whether it's appeasing everyone around you, whether it's a better marriage, which although we strive to have that, I think that we would have better marriages if we just were content with ourselves. Then we can be content with others. But you'll never be content with anyone else, including your spouse, your kids, your work, whatever, until you're content with you. And you'll never be content with you until you realize that God is content with you. Breathe in, breathe out. Know that you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. You can be content with you. You can know that God is content with you. You can do it. You have the strength to be content because it is Christ who is strengthening you to realize your contentment. When you realize it, you'll have joy in life. And it will change everything, which gives you the freedom to change the world around you because of your contentment.